If you would turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. If you'd like, I'll give you the page number, but I think you got this one. Genesis chapter 15, right at the very beginning of your Bibles. Hear God's word. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I, conti- I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Ele- Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my, my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven, and number the stars, if you are able. If you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these cut them in half, and laid them half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your father in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here on the in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the authorities of the, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold a smoking firepot. And flaming torch passed between those pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadomites, the Hittites, the Perzites, the, the Rephium, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. There's a story told about Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China. He went to a bank one day to uh, open, an, open an account for uh, inland China missions. While filling out the application, it asked about his current assets, and Taylor wrote down 10 pounds and the promises of God. The bank official who went over his application Apparently, he mocked him about what he wrote down. But over the following years, more than $4 million flowed through that account. $4 million. 
What's really amazing about this is they never sent out one plea for money. There was a never a year-end plea for a last-minute donation. They never asked people for money, but they just prayed about it. The missionaries, the people who were close to the mission, they prayed, and God provided. It's not that they had tons of money in, in their bank accounts, but they always had just enough for whatever they needed. I know of another organization close to Arlen, I, close to our heart, it's His Mansion Ministries, and um, the Lord used that to save one of our sons, and they, they follow the same approach. They never ask for funds, but they never have needs because God takes care of them. They make it a matter of prayer. The staff, those who are close to the ministry, and God provides. Again, not with full bank accounts, but by meeting their needs when they need to be provided for. Now to the world around us, this kind of trust in the Lord, it, 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 it doesn't make sense. It seems like foolishness. But we know better. Or I, hope, I hope we know better. What a wonderful thing to claim the promises of God in, in times of trouble, and especially when we're, we're feeling overwhelmed by the challenges that are before us. The author of Hebrews 6.19 says, We don't have to be afraid because... There's hope. We have an anchor for our souls. We have a hope that's firm and secure. And we know that that hope, it's Jesus. Chapter 15 begins with these words after this. Clearly, the the, the writer of Genesis, he wants us to connect what we're about to read with what's just happened in in the previous couple chapters. And if you go back a couple chapters, um, actually, actually quite a bit did happen. Um, Abram went and saved Lot. Apparently, apparently Lot was living in, in Sodom at the time with his family. And you might remember when Moses went, Abraham went one way and, and Lot went the other way. And um, the, 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 the area that Lot decided to, to settle down in, it was, it was wicked, it was, it was evil. And the people were far from the Lord, which meant that they were going to live their lives outside of the Lord's blessing. And then there was Abraham, who chose to follow the Lord and be obedient to the Lord, and look at how God blessed him. Apparently a, a, a time came when four kings from Mesopotamia They made war on Sodom, where Lot was, and they surrounded the city. And Sodom was overrun. Lot and his family and and all their possessions were were taken captive. And so Abram put together any available fighting men and came to Lot's rescue with 318 men for a surprise attack, and they were able to, to rescue Lot and his family and get their possessions back. But apparently when they went after these four kings, they were able to escape. Which really could cause a lot of trouble for uh, Abram in, in the future. Because you've got to remember that 
Abram and, and his family, even Lot, they were foreigners living, they were foreigners living in, in the land of, 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 of Canaan. And, and as a result of this, they were seen as strangers. When you're like all the people around you, it's one thing. But when you're an outsider, and then as an outsider, you start getting all kinds of wealth and animals and land, and you're just blessed beyond belief, people start to get jealous. They want what you have. And so, for Abram and his family, that was going to be a, a, a threat from then on. Would these kings come back try to take out Abraham and, and his clan? Well, God gave him victory in this battle. This trouble was a, a, a constant reminder to them that they were not yet living in, in a land of, of God's choosing where God wanted them to permanently be. Fear not, God says to Abram. I am your shield, your reward. And the reward is very great. Can you understand now why that was such a comfort to Abram and his family to hear those words from the Lord? Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. You ever had fear in your life? I'm not talking about fear of maybe having four kings chasing your family, but have you ever been afraid? Afraid of losing your job? Afraid of not getting a job? Afraid of not having enough to pay the bills. Afraid of sickness or, or death. Of losing a loved one. How about the whole thing with COVID that we've just been experiencing for this last year or so? Is that something you fear for yourself or for your, someone in your family? Or maybe it's even deeper than this. Maybe it's a fear of God. It's a fear, will God really take away your sins? Does God love you so much that He'll accept you and make you His child? Whatever might be in that you fill in the blank, whatever fear that's in your life right now, God has something to say to you. And it's right there in our passage. Fear not. Maybe you missed that. Let me say that one more time. This is what God is saying to all of us, to the Israelites, to Abram. Fear not. I am your shield. As Abram thought about the possible retaliation of these four kings, as well as what the future held for him, because remember, God hadn't told him everything yet. God didn't. God left a lot of blank, a lot, a lot of the blanks empty. He just wanted Abraham to trust him. And 
And in addition to telling Abram that he didn't have to be afraid, he also tells him he will be his shield. Now, you've probably seen pictures of, of Romans who carried those, those big shields in front of them. And when they came together, they, they actually made a, a, a cube. In front, on the sides, and back, and even over the top. And so when people shot arrows, there, there's no way they could penetrate to get to you. The only problem with that is we're talking humans holding those shields. And that's human strength, and human strength fails. That's not what God is saying. God is saying, I will be your shield. I will be your protection. That's greater than anything here on earth. Any protection that this earth can give us. It's greater than that. Knowing that God is the one who is watching over us. Protecting us. Loving us. Listen to how David summarizes this protection in in 2 Samuel 22, verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my Savior. Boy, how that must have been music to Abram's ears to hear God say that to him. Fear not. Abram, I got this. I got your back. I'll watch over you. I'll protect you. Just keep your eyes on me. God also protects us from Satan. Listen to 1 Peter 5, verse 8. It says, The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Thankfully, since the devil has been defeated on the cross by Jesus, his days are numbered. The only problem with that is he's angry, he's upset, and he wants to take down as many people as he can before his time is over, his freedom. And so he's going to try to disrupt our lives. He's, try to, he's going to try to divide any way he can. To divide a congregation. To divide a family. To divide a marriage. James 4.7 says when we stand in Christ, we are the victors. You've got to remember that. No matter what you're facing. No matter what problems are before you. We don't have to fear. And the reason we don't have to fear is not because we're so strong and mighty, but God is strong and mighty. And He's going to protect us. Sometime take a look at the book of Job. How that begins. And in, in, in chapter 1 of, of Job, you find the devil actually appearing before God, before His throne. Which is really curious. Why in the world would God allow that? But the reason Satan was allowed to be in heaven before God's throne all that time was because he was our accuser. Accusing us of our sins. But when did all that stop? When Jesus died on the cross. 
When Jesus died on the cross and we were covered with the blood of Jesus, His righteousness became ours, and so the devil lost his place as accuser. And he was cast down. you got to keep in mind too that Satan's not allowed to just do whatever he wants. That's part of God's sovereignty. It's part of God being in control. Satan even says to God about Job, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? That's what God does for us, for his people, for his church. Now that doesn't mean problems never come our way. They do. We live in a broken world. And we experience those hardships all the time. And it's hard. It's not a pleasant place to be when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death. But even there, God is in control. God allows it. And the reason God allows it is because God is so powerful and mighty, He'll use it for our good. The good and the bad. He uses it to strengthen us. Even though at the time, it doesn't always seem that way. Paul would say later, all things work together for our good. For those who are in Christ Jesus. That's how powerful our God is. Another area God protects and shields us in in is in the area of uh, temptation. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10.13, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. That means there goes our excuses. Right? We can't say, well, I, I, I just couldn't help it. Our God is watching over us. He is our shield. He is our protection. And even when being attacked, He gives us the strength we need to make our stand. To make our fight against the devil. And again, not in our strength, but in God's. Because in Christ Jesus, we have everything that we need. In addition to God being a shield, there's another reason. Our, our passage tells us we don't have to be afraid. And that's because He's a very great reward. Now what if I came to you and said, I'm, a, I'm your reward. You'd probably look at me like I had lost my mind. Now saying that to my wife, she would probably say, oh, wonderful. (laughs) Right? Amen. (laughs) And I don't even know where I was. (laughs) Um, for, For God to say this to us, though, I am your reward. Your very great reward. What an amazing statement. Abram, I'm giving you myself. I'm going to be your shield. I'm going to watch over you, protect you, and love you. 
And we know the details of, of some of this even more later when we hear about the salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus. You know, before this, we, we, we didn't read it. I could spend a whole sermon on it. Is when, when Abram met Melchizedek. And uh, sometimes read the book of Hebrews, and we, which talks quite a bit about, about that king. But why, why was it so significant that um, Abram made a sacrifice, not a sacrifice, but tithe to Melchizedek? He was recognizing him as being sent from God, as being God's priest, as being God's king. And there's a parallel between him and Jesus, which we don't have the time to go into right now. But And so by tithing, Abram was saying, everything I have, Lord, it's yours. That's why we tithe on Sunday, right? Everything is yours, Lord, but I'm going to show that I believe that it, it really is yours by tithing a portion of it. Because you know what? I don't trust this money. I trust you. You're going to provide. You're going to take care of us. You're going to be my shield. And what an opportunity that is each week to come and to lay our offering down and to say, as you lay that down, I'm not trusting in my wealth. I'm not trusting in my money. But I trust in you, Lord. He's a very great reward for all that He does for us. And then on top of it, Abram wouldn't take anything of the plunder that was rightfully his. Not only did he give, did he tithe to Melchizedek, not only did he he tithe some to the, the king of Sodom, not tithe, but, but give some to the king of, of Sodom, as well as give some to his fighting men. But he took none for himself, even a thread of, of, um, from, from a sandal of, of the king of uh, Salem, of Sodom. What was, what was significant about, about that? I think Abraham was making a statement in, in doing that, Lord, it's not in, in this wealth that I trust, but I trust in you. you. You told me to fear not that I will be your very great reward. I, I believe you. I trust you. And so he takes a step of faith. And so immediately after that, again, in chapter 15, what does the Lord say? Abram, fear not. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. You don't need the stuff of this earth. When I'm around, I'll take care of you. I'll give you everything that you need. All you got to do is keep your eyes on me. We don't have the time to talk about it this, this morning, but we, the Bible talks of, of Abram being the father of faith. And yet there were times that he struggled with his faith. Praise the Lord, our God is so patient and so loving. Because sometimes we're like little kids, aren't we? They just want to run across the street. And you know that it's going to be dangerous if they just run across the street. And so you grab their hand and you hold them. 
And they start crying even. I want to get across the street. But you know what will happen if they go with all the cars. And I think God does that for us sometimes too, doesn't He? He does it out of love. He cares for us so much. Really, to have God as your reward, that as, as the, to have God as your reward, being children of God, what, a, what an amazing gift that we've been given in Jesus. And God, when He's talking to Moses, I mean, when he's talking to Abram, I'm sorry. He keeps, Abram keeps asking, but, you know, Lord, how is this all going to happen if I don't have any children? He's up there in age. God said, you don't have to worry about that. And he takes him outside and he shows him the stars in the sky and he says, that's going to be your descendants. Not just physical, but spiritual. That's going to be your descendants. And Abram trusted God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. God loves to bless and give good gifts to those who trust in Him with all their hearts. And so, to show Abram that he meant what he was saying, he cut those animals and tells Moses, tells Abram to cut those animals in half. And it's kind of a curious thing to do. Why would, why, why would you do that in the first place? That was a custom back then. If you were going to make a deal with somebody, then you would cut an animal in half and you would both... A lot of times, holding the other person's hand, walk through the, the halves of animals. And what you were doing by, by um, walking through those animals is saying, if, if I ever break my promise to you, may this happen to me. And on the day that Abram talked and met with God, he had him cut all these animals except for the doves. But does Abram and God walk through the halves together? That's the interesting part. No, God put him into a deep and dreadful sleep. I think the kind of sleep where he suddenly just felt the weight of his sin upon him, upon his heart. And suddenly God appeared as that fire pot, as that torch and pass through those animals. And, and by doing that, God was making the promise. God knew that Abram, he, he couldn't keep his end of it. If a, Abram went through the two halves with him. But God made the promise. And that covenant was renewed a number of times throughout the Old Testament. Until we see the last covenant that was needed. And that was Jesus who came. And just as 
God came as that, that torch, as that, firing, that, that, that pot being filled with fire as it passed through the animals. That's really what Jesus did when He died on the cross. As He passed through the darkness on Calvary. He became our Savior. He took away our sins. Did, did Israel deserve any of those covenants that God made with them? No. That's the whole point. That's why Abram couldn't join God going through them. Those animal halves. It's a gift. It's mercy. It's the amazing grace that we sing about. It's evidence of God's love. God is saying not only to to Abram, but He's saying to each of us, do not be afraid. I will be your shield. I will be your very great reward. Just put your trust in Me. Did God do this because Israel was a little bit better than everybody else? Well, there's another passage that's in Deuteronomy 7 7 that says, uh, The Lord set his affections on them not because they were the most numerous people. Actually, it was just the opposite, they were few in number. Simply put, the Lord set his uh, uh, affections on them. Because He loved them. Because He chose to love them. Just as He has chosen to love each of us. To those that He calls to follow Him. You know, there's an interesting thing in the story that I really don't want to focus much on, but after the, the animals were cut in half and, and put where they needed to be, what came suddenly? The vultures. But that was quite a job for uh, Abram to keep all those vultures away as they tried to get to those dead bodies. As they tried to mess up this covenant that was about to be established. Because it wasn't until the evening, until it got dark, that that God appeared as that torch, as that fire pot, and passed through the animals. And, you know, sometimes that's what faith is like to struggle. Sometimes it requires a little bit of work on our behalf. But when you realize who's watching over you, who loves you so much. It's worth the trouble. It's worth everything that it takes. We have a God who loves us so much. May that same love be filled in our hearts. May it, may it be what we show Him each day, but also may it be a love that we show those around us those that God has brought into our lives. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for this day, for loving us so much. We thank you for this story, Lord, and, and, and the evidence that it, it, it shows us that you are a God who keeps his promise. We just have to look at the empty cross, all that Christ accomplished over sin and death. And because he pierced the darkness, there's hope for us. We know what awaits us one day when we leave this world, when you call us home. It's nothing that we deserve. But this morning we say thank you. Thank you for giving us this gift. And we pray that as we come before you each, each day, that our hands, that you might help us empty our hands of the things of this world so that we might grasp the hem of your robe so that you might be our all in all. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. The solid rock, would you please?